and welcome back to The Battery with Cap and Pat. Hey guys, just want to give you all a quick shout out for uh, viewing our first episode and, uh, you know, really building our platform and helping us get uh, nationwide a little bit more. Uh, we appreciate it. If anybody's interested in, you know, being a sponsor, or, you know, possibly getting into contact with one of us, go ahead, give our uh, social media a shout out and, uh, you know, we'll reply back. So with that being said, we're going to start off this week's show. Uh, we got a lot to review. Uh, we got a couple bowl games we picked from last week to review, and then we're going to lead up to, you know, how week 16 went in the NFL. There's a couple weird games. There's a couple upsets. There's a couple games that the team that you thought should win win, but they didn't really, it wasn't as dominant. Uh, we're going to take a look at the Christmas Day game and some future bowl games that we like. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to pass it over to Blake and go ahead and get us started, man. Hey guys, yeah, first and foremost, I want to uh, thank our producer, Mike, for putting together uh, the show. Obviously, things don't run smoothly without a good producer, so thanks, Mike. We appreciate that. But yeah, Pat, uh, let's start off in the NFL. Um, obviously, we want to talk about that Christmas Day game. Um, obviously, we knew going into it, you're going to have two of the top running backs in the entire league between Cook and Kamara, um, and obviously, both of them showed up pretty well. Um, looking at obviously on the New Orleans side of the ball, you got Kamara putting up six touchdowns, tying the record. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, you got 15 carries by Cook, uh, scores a touchdown um, in his time during the game. But the Saints, outside of Kamara's performance, actually, in my opinion, proved, me, proved to me something that they weren't kind of like the Steelers of the NFC. You know, you look, I mean, don't get me wrong. New Orleans has been dominant, and I, and, and I don't want to say – I mean, the Steelers had a great win today against Indianapolis, but I, I don't want to say this, the Saints are one of those teams that were just backing their way into the playoff standings-wise, but, I mean, you look at the close – the loss they had to, to Philadelphia. Yeah, the game against, against Kansas City was close. I understand that. Really didn't have a chance to get into that game. Um, but then they put their foot down and they stomp on the Vikings on Christmas Day and national TV. And I think that looked really good. Um, obviously, they had their chance um, to get that first round by. Um, they, got the, they got the Panthers this upcoming week. Obviously, a game that the Panthers really have no business in, in staying a part of. Panthers are fighting for kind of sitting around that fifth draft spot where I think they're going to want to try to stay, even if they have to use that as tra trade bait. Um, but in all, outside of the uh, for the Christmas game, I thought New Orleans proved something that hey, we're going to be the team that's going to be the NFC, and we're going to be the team that can maybe beat the Bills or maybe beat the the Kansas City Chiefs in the in the Super Bowl. Um, and I think it opened a lot of people's eyes. Yeah, man, I uh, I for sure agree with you. So just to just to help me understand a little bit more, so you, are you going to say that you like the Saints to come out of the NFC then? You know. I, I don't want to say it too early. I mean, obviously we got the, the playoffs right around the corner. I think Green Bay put up a really good performance against uh, Tennessee on Sunday. Obviously, I don't see anybody out of the NFC East putting up a fight. Um, yeah, out of the West, you got Seattle. Uh, Tampa Bay in a wild card situation, I think, is a very dangerous team. I mean, obviously, when you got Tom Brady, you're always going to be in a game, you know. In the very beginning of the season, I, I, I thought the Rams were one of those kind of sleeper teams that I, that I thought could give somebody a game. 
they've kind of spiraled out of control here at the end of the year. Other than that, I mean, I know Dallas is still fighting for a playoff spot, but I would say right now, I like New Orleans, the way they're playing and the way they stepped up on Christmas Day to give the Packers their best shot in the NFC Championship game and then give either the Bills or Kansas City their best shot in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I, uh, I, you know, after watching that Christmas Day game and Kamara just going off for six freaking touchdowns, like, it was like playing a Madden game, it looks like, for him, man. Every time he touched the ball, they just scored. So, I mean, obviously, they looked really good on Christmas Day. But then you look at what the Packers are doing tonight in the snowy field. And if you look at Breeze, I mean, he's, he's an older quarterback. He doesn't want to be out in the cold. So with the Packers winning tonight, um, I I like the Packers to come out of the NFC right now at this very moment. If I had to pick a team today um, and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, just because they they look so dominant besides really that Tampa Bay game. And then if you get if you get Aaron Rodgers out in the snow like he was tonight, back in like his home element, and you don't let you don't you don't give the Saints the opportunity to host a game in the dome. I think that's a big step for the Packers. And I think the Packers are probably one of the probably one of the few teams that poses a real threat to make a run deep in the playoffs. But um, you know, with that being said, man, I I think I I agree with you. I think Tampa Bay, you can't count them out because they got Tom Brady. But at the same time, if you get pressure on Tom Brady, it looks like this year Tampa Bay just kind of shuts down and that could that could be a problem if they end up playing like a a Rams or for instance if all goes right for the uh, the Bears team a good defensive team and they can get to Brady I mean that you're going to disrupt him and that's going to change some things I'm not saying they're going to win or let alone make the playoffs but you know I I think the only thing that scares me about the Packers is I think they're a less complete of a team than they are than the Saints are but I will say, every time I've thought the Packers were going to lose a game, you can't count them out because they've got that dude named Aaron Rodgers. And I don't want to go into Lambeau on a playoff scenario and play them. Right. And I know you and I have talked um, in recent days about how the whole Drew Brees kind of walking off the field with a, with, a, with a Lombardi trophy in his hands and how cool that would be. Um, I mean, if, if, you ain't got, if you ain't got a dog in the fight, and you're, and you're looking at that, um, I, I think that's kind of what football fans would I think would be kind of would be kind of cool for football fans, right? And I mean, that's coming from an Atlanta fan where you never want to see the Saints win, you know. But what that guy's <laughs> done for football, um, I think that'd be really cool. Um, getting back to like the whole weather thing, obviously, more times than not, a team's going to want to put the ball on the ground, right? And if, if for some reason, an NFC championship game is played in, in Green Bay, which it's looking like it's going to be, who do you give the advantage to after really good, really good running backs on both sides between Jones and Kamara, if that's, what's going to be your NFC championship game, obviously we know the talent both Brees has. We obviously know the talent that, that Rogers has Rogers. I think in my opinion has a, has a better deep ball breeze of recent years is more like that check down guy, maybe a 15 yard pass that, that breaks up um, in the middle of the field. But if you're looking at it that way and, and you're, and you're looking at the weather, do you think Aaron Rodgers' arm is good enough to beat a team like the Saints where if they get a lead, they're just going to put the ball on the ground and hope you don't stop them? 
Uh, I, you know, after watching tonight's game and seeing, you know, they're at Lambeau, which I think, again, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And the weather was terrible. It's snowing. The dude threw for four touchdowns tonight. I mean, th- this is, I hate to say it, but this is what he was like bred into. This is, you know, this is their advantage since there's no fans. And we don't know if there's going to be fans for these postseason games yet. Um, so with that being said, you know, you bring in the weather and you're talking about a team in Wisconsin that it always snows there. Or you go to New Orleans where they're inside a dome. And I think it'll be hard for the Saints if if those two, whoever meets the Packers, I, I think the Packers are going to go to the NFC Championship game. I really do. And I think whoever they whoever they play, no matter what round, honestly, um, it's going to be hard to beat the Packers in Lambeau just because okay, it so. could be snowing. And it, I mean, it, I, I don't, you're, you're, you're talking about the Saints getting like a two touchdown lead. Like I don't think the Packers defense is that good, but then again, they're shutting down Derrick Henry tonight. They've got two or three interceptions on the game and I don't know, man, they, they're kind of stepping up when they need to. So obviously we just talked about the NFC. Now let's look at the AFC where I think there's going to be a lot of good um, and very competitive games in the playoffs. And, and, and one, if the Chiefs weren't in the AFC, I would say outside of that, and, and yes, the Chiefs are a f- good football team. They looked not so great against Atlanta today. But with that being said, who are who? Who do you believe is going to be in that in that one-two uh, AFC game, trying to fight their way to get to Tampa? Uh, truthfully, man, I I'm going to say my one-two is going to be the Chiefs and the Bills. Um, but a team that I really like right now, that I think hurt themselves last year, is the Baltimore Ravens. I know Lamar has a crappy past about playoffs and. But if you look at what they did last year, they got hot, like, to start the season. And then towards the tail end of the season, they kind of cooled down a little bit. They were still winning games, but they, like, cooled down. And, you know, from, you know, watching baseball, watching football, watching hockey, whatever we watch, the teams that usually make deep runs in the playoffs are the teams that get hot, you know, that two-week period, two- or three-week period before and can go on that, can go on those good runs to end the season. And right now, the Baltimore Ravens, I, I like the Chiefs and the Bills at one and two. And I think it's going to be hard to beat those teams, honestly. Uh, I think the Bills, are they probably present the best challenge for the Chiefs. Um, but my sleeper pick right now would probably be the Ravens to come in underneath and kind of kind of pull some underdog stories out. No, yeah, for sure. If you see a team like Indianapolis get in there, do you think they're a one and done? Or do you think they're a team that can make, make some noise? Uh, you know, truthfully, Indianapolis is a weird team, man, because they blew the game today against Pittsburgh after being up, what, 21 to 7, 20? Like, I mean, Pittsburgh looked like they looked like the past three weeks. They had no business being in the game. And then, you know, I look at the ESPN app later and it says that the Colts lost the game. So, I, 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 right now, I don't trust Rivers, um, their defense is, you know, their defense has been really good, but it also sometimes, like today, it just kind of like fell apart. I, I, if they get a Bills or a Chiefs or even a Ravens team, I could, I could see them being a one and done team. How about you, man? 
Yeah. So, I mean, well, for the Colts argument, I, I think, I think again, they're, and that's why I say the AFC playoffs are going to be pretty much unreal. I do. I, th- I think anybody can beat anybody in that, in that division. Um, obviously you look at a team like the chiefs and you look at their 14 and one, most likely going to win next week as well. Um, I, I look at, I look at that division. I, I think I like, I like Buffalo. I like Kansas city. I agree with you on that. Um, and I, and again, I, it's funny you talked about Baltimore cause I was thinking the same thing today. Obviously, yes, they played, they played the giants, the giants for what it is have been a really weird team. They, they look better because of the division they play in um, and had that, had that whole thing where they looked like they were going to be the team after they figured out a way to beat Seattle um, and then just have fallen off the mountain and, and pretty much opened the door for most likely either the Cowboys or, or Washington, but Baltimore, man, I mean, you look at Baltimore, they, uh, they're on a four game win streak going all the way back to that Cowboys game, obviously beat the, beat the Cowboys 34, 17 came back next week, had a really hard fought, tough game um, against the Browns on the road, figured out a way to get a win, put up 40 on the Jaguars and, and then, and then pretty much took it to the, to New York today. Going into that last week, they got the Bengals. They should get right in that game going into, going into the playoffs. Um, And I think it looks really good. Uh, You're right. I think they could be, a team that if if I'm the Bills or I'm the Chiefs, I'm not overly comfortable. I, you're gonna have to have your A game going into that game, you know. So, with that said, let's we're we're gonna kind of talk over our AFC. Obviously, the NFC is pretty much clinched. You look at you look at the NFC East. Washington's in with a win. Um, if Washington loses and Dallas wins. They're in. If Washington loses and the Giants win, they are in. Um, the Eagles got eliminated today with their loss to to Dallas. Um, I kind of feel bad for Jalen Hurts. I th- I feel like he played obviously until the end, where his, his passing got a little sloppy just because he had to throw the ball up. Um, I think he's got a good career um, looking looking ahead in the NFL. Obviously, look at his counterpart with with Tua down in Miami, and you can kind of see what he's done um, this year as well. Well, him and him and Fitzpatrick seem to be a good good pair down there and, and, and sharing the ball pretty well. Um, but again, going into that playoff picture um, for the AFC, uh, the Dolphins uh, win or Baltimore loss or Cleveland loss or Indianapolis loss. Um, so Dolphins, again, one of those teams that control their destiny or a loss by either Baltimore, Cleveland, or Indy gets them in. Um, Ravens, another team control their destiny. They either win or a loss from Cleveland or Indianapolis. The Browns, again, we talked about them last week and how they could go one and one and not see them themselves in the playoffs. Well, they really hurt themselves against the Jets today. <laughs> but Browns win or Indy loss or Tennessee loses two games plus Baltimore win plus Indianapolis win plus Miami win. So if you're the Browns, you need to win a football game. Um, and then rounding it out, you look at Indianapolis, um, and they probably have the toughest route because they're not a team that can just win and find themselves in the playoffs. Um, but they need to win, and one of the following needs to happen, whether that's Tennessee loses its last two games. Obviously, they lost tonight, so they, they would have to lose next week as well. 
Baltimore loses, Cleveland loses, or Miami loses. So right off the bat there, obviously, you're, you're looking at Tennessee Dolphins um, – or excuse me, Dolphins, Ravens, Browns as probably your most likely teams to bounce their way in the playoffs. Um, Tennessee, all they have to do is win next week and or see Baltimore lose Indy or Miami. Pat, with those being said, do you agree that the Colts probably have the toughest way to find their way in? Um, you know, man, I, I will agree with you there. Um, but the good thing for the Colts is they've got the Jaguars next weekend. And the other bad thing for the Colts is they have the Jaguars next weekend. The, they're the Jaguars lone win on the season. So week one, week one and then the Jaguars lost 14 straight. Um, hello, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Hello, Trevor Lawrence. And yeah. Um, I, I will say I, I, I'm very interested to see what happens next week because out of all the teams that control their own destiny, um, I think Indy's a team that, you know, if they get in, they can make some noise, but at the same time, I can see them being a one and done. Um, yeah. And I, just for like, uh, just because I'm a Jets fan too, and it's nice not to see the Patriots in it. I would like to see two teams from the AFC East make it in there. I'd like to see Buffalo and Miami both make it in there. I think that'd be awesome. And yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I think that it's all up in the air. And I just think it's pretty ironic that, pretty much every AFC team that's going to – yeah, actually, every AFC team that's going to make the playoffs is going to have double-digit wins. And you go to the NFC, you have a division winner. And I think it looks like could be one wild card that won't have double-digit double, double digit wins. And actually, the, the, the division winner is going to be under 500. <laughs> so I just think – you know, I, I think it's very interesting to see that. And, uh, you know, going to the NFC, I – I, I want them to flex that Bears versus Packers game to Sunday night football next week. Because, um, nice. you know, yeah, if, the Bears, if the Bears win, they're in. Right. The Bears control their yeah. own destiny. And Green Bay is going to be playing for home field advantage. So I mean, yeah, with that said, I might as well, I might as well break down your NFC wild card as well. Um, obviously, the Rams lost today. Um, they had a chance to, to clinch their spot. They didn't. Um, so they, they can clinch. The Rams can clinch with a win and or Chicago loss. The Bears can clinch with a win or a Cardinals loss, and the Cardinals can can clinch just with a win. So, obviously, we talked about the AFC. I think in the looking at the NFC early, the Browns are going to play inspired football after the way they played um, against Jacksonville. I think they're going to give Green Bay all they can handle. Um, then I look at the Cardinals, um, obviously a team that, again, had their chance to, to, to seal their destiny this week and fall apart against the 49ers. I think if you're looking for a game that's going to get flexed to Sunday night football, you're probably going to look at the Cardinals and Rams just because that game's pretty much your last team in. Um, if the Bears don't happen to beat the Packers. Um, so I, I think that's going to be your deal. But Week 17 is producing a lot of games where it's going to be fun to sit down and actually watch how this unfolds and, and who's going to be playing who in Week 1, because obviously big difference now. 
Obviously, in the past, we've only had six teams. Now we got seven with one bye. So you're going to have a really good team in, like, the AFC. Play somebody in the first round that most likely they would have a bye and, and, and not see and have to just beat them, and all of a sudden they're in the AFC Championship. Obviously, that's not happening this year. So, I mean, you, you again, going back to the AFC, and I know we've talked about this a lot, because it's, it's a very good conference this year. I mean, you look like you look at a team like Pittsburgh that, yeah, I got all excited that they won their, their, their division today or Buffalo. And you got Buffalo having to play somebody like maybe Baltimore in the first round, or you got Pittsburgh having to play somebody like Cleveland in the first round. Those aren't give me games for either team, you know? Um, and obviously you've seen, you've seen matchups in the AFC all, all year where, Games are coming down to the very last 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 play. Um, so week 17 is going to be going to be really interesting. I think one of the most interesting week 17s we've seen in a minute. Um, but yeah, so now obviously we just talked about Jacksonville. Um, they were putting up a fight against Chicago for a little bit. Obviously, Chicago looked like they were Super Bowl contenders in the second half. Um, <laughs> but now with a Jets win over the Browns and a Jacksonville loss today, Jacksonville solidified their spot as the number one overall pick. So, well, that's not technically true. There needs to, if, if I, I'm pretty sure if the Jaguars somehow win next week and like 84 teams lose, there's a way the Jets could get it. But like you said, they pretty much solidified it. And as a Jets we'll, fan, we'll, I got to have we'll a little go, hope. Yeah. We'll go with 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 the league that only has sixteen games. If they need if they need forty wins, I think they're going to be all right. But uh, um, so obviously, look looking at for, fast forwarding to the draft. Obviously, this draft is loaded with quarterbacks, right? Right off the bat, you're looking at like guys like Justin Fields. You're looking at guys like Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Trask. Obviously, you got you got the guy out at BYU. Uh, you got quarterbacks all over the place, right? You got quarterbacks all over the place. With what we've seen in, in, in the past, especially as of recent, we haven't really seen a quarterback other than maybe, guy, obviously, guys like Patrick Mahomes. Um, Tua has, 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 I feel like, impressed um, for the most part in his rookie season. Um, Joe Burrow was slinging the ball all over the place um, until, unfortunately, he got injured. But looking at this class, I feel like this class has to be special. But with the previous knowledge we know in, in the style of quarterback that comes out of college, in your opinion, Pat, how many franchise quarterbacks are actually coming out of this draft? Um, truthfully, man, I, I really am sold on one, and we both know who that is. It's Mr. Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna come in and just be an absolute dude. And I mean, you look at another quarterback from Clemson who's kind of been dominating the league a little bit. Like I'd say he's had a good career so far. And that's John Watson. Um, yeah. I would. I would definitely. I would definitely pick. You know, Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick, no matter who your quarterback is, unless you have, unless you're the Chiefs. Um, I. I just don't. That's a once in a generation talent right there, and. You know, watching him, even after COVID, he had the COVID, obviously. Uh, even watching him after that, he still looks really impressive. Uh, yeah, he's got some things to improve, but, like, as, as, like, a franchise quarterback, I think you're making an investment into a guy 
that doesn't need a lot. And I think that's, I think that's Trevor Lawrence. Um, a lot of people like Justin Fields also to be a franchise quarterback. And I just, I, I'm, I'm not sold on that. Um, because I mean, one, yeah, I, I'll give Ryan day credit. Uh, he's a head coach at Ohio state. Like he developed some very good college quarterbacks. Like, I'm pretty sure, you know, Dwayne Haskins, um, uh, who was the other guy? Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but they all, they all play good for Ohio State. But then when they get to the league, you, you look at Dwayne Haskins today, dude had four turnovers. And I don't think just honestly, from seeing the six games we saw this year, I don't think that Justin Fields has proven to me and to be a franchise quarterback. Were you looking for the name JT Barrett? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's who I was looking for. And Mm -hmm. I think Justin Fields has been so inconsistent. I think that's the nicest way to put it. Uh, You know, against Northwestern, he didn't look good at all. Um, You know, and then I think it was against IU, maybe. He threw, what, three interceptions? Yeah. And yeah, it was a high scoring game, but dude, come on. If you're if I'm gonna take you at let's say let's say the Jaguars take him number one overall, I'm looking for a complete package. And I just don't think if if you look at Ohio State's quarterback history in the NFL, they produce more running backs, I would say. And I would I would just say I, I don't like the odds that come with him with drafting him. Um so with that being said, the the two other ones that I might take a chance on would be Mac Jones. Uh, but then again, I run into the same problem. You know, at, at how many Alabama quarterbacks are there in the league? Right now you're looking at two and, and Jalen Hurts that, I mean, obviously, and they came out of the same, the same boat um, from Alabama. Right. And obviously Saban had a big problem. Well, I, a good problem, I might add, um, obviously with the two of them and, and then the whole replacement in, in the – college football playoff national championship against Georgia that one year and and Tua finds himself from a nobody to a somebody um in a matter of probably about an hour you know um but yeah I I see I see where you're going with that yes but traditionally Alabama quarterbacks like AJ McCarron I think he's a backup maybe even an announcer now right exactly Um, so like you know like all these dominant programs but you know yeah sure Jalen Hurts and Tua are there right now but I, I'm going to disagree with you when you said Tua's been doing good because the dude got benched against the freaking Raiders. And Fitzmagic came in, and he tore it up. Mr. Harvard, you know? And so with that being said, I would, I'd probably have to say that Kyle Trask would be my other friend. I would, I, would put, I would use the term franchise loosely quarterback, but after seeing what he did against Alabama, um, I, I really like the attributes he has and the arm strength. Um, I think if you get him with a good quarterback's coach, I think he can be really productive. Um, I know you and me kind of had some mixed emotions about this or mixed thoughts about this. So I'm really interested to find out who you would consider for your franchise quarterback. Because, I mean, I know who one is for you, obviously. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if if I'm Jacksonville, there's really no debating. I'm not taking any trades, honestly. I mean, I'm I'm not going to ride Mike Glennon much longer after next week. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence behind center, I think he's, he's Peyton Manning with legs, you know, and, and you're not going to pass up on talent like that. Um, 
so that that's that's my that's obviously my number one and, and my biggest thing when it comes to the nfl when, when i think pro style quarterback i think i think somebody like that's going to sit in the pocket actually throw the ball um running quarterbacks traditionally in the nfl outside of maybe somebody i mean obviously you got guys like like michael vick that that had an unbelievable career um and obviously there, there's been, there's been running quarterbacks to have many successful careers, but I think right now the trend outside of really Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson to a lesser extent. Um, I like a passing quarterback. Somebody's going to stay in the pocket, like I said. Um, and so that kind of draws me away from a smaller guy like Justin Fields, who I feel like compares pretty well to somebody like Marcus Mariota when they were in college. You know, Mariota at Oregon looked like he was like the next big thing playing in a conference at that time in the Pac-12 takes them to a national championship, obviously loses to Ohio State, goes to the NFL, has some okay seasons with Tennessee, doesn't really produce much, um, makes some noise in the NFL, but for a very short amount of time, right? So that draws me to somebody more like you were talking about, and that's Kyle Trask. You know, I look at somebody like Kyle Trask that really put his name out on the map this year. Um, and in college, I would say, is it fair to say comparable to somebody like maybe like a Matt Ryan or Philip Rivers? Would you say that's kind of fair the way he, the way his quarterback style is? Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I, I would take out Philip Rivers. I think he's terrible. Um, okay. Uh, I, I would say like a, I, I would agree with you, Matt Ryan, and probably like a. Uh, I hate to say this one because he played for the wrong team for so many years, but like a Tom Brady that has that pocket presence. Right. I, I mean, I'm not saying that he has a talent. He's going to be a Tom Brady, but but that style of a quarterback, right? So then I look like like go, just again going back to Justin Fields. I feel like he's going to be a guy that may stick for a few years and kind of find his way in a backup scenario, you know, year in and year out, those guys don't tend to stick, whether that's because of an injury. Um, and, and, it, and it's a fast moving league, you know, you, you, I like, again, you look at somebody like Patrick Mahomes, obviously Patrick Mahomes, he run, he, he, scrambles out of, out of the pocket, but he's more times than not sitting in the pocket looking for somebody to throw downfield or looking for his check down in Kelsey. My two guys right now, if, I, if I'm wh – whatever teams find their way in wanting to draft a quarterback, here's what I'm doing. If I'm Jacksonville, I got Trevor. No, no way around it. You could, you could offer me whatever you want. You could offer me first-round picks for the rest of your, your team's being and I wouldn't take it Trevor's my first pick now you got a decision at number two as the Jets do you wait and see if you can get a quarterback in a year from now two years from now whatever that is and you trade your pick away and maybe get a quarterback maybe you get somebody like Matt Ryan you know obviously Atlanta's looking to move him probably pretty soon and or get a backup for him do you trade some for somebody like Matt Ryan and maybe like a, 
I'd ask for a Julio Jones, you know, for that, for that, maybe not for that two pick, maybe for the one pick. Do you ask for somebody like that? Or do you, or do you just take your Justin Fields, take the chance with it? Or do you pass up on him? You go to Kyle Trask, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a tough decision in, in my spot right now. If I have the two pick and I'm the Jets, I trade it away. I trade it away for a first round draft pick th- this uh, this next year. Probably get a guy that's fairly similar. I mean, look at you look, looking past drafts. You got guys like Kamara going in the third round. You know, nobody really knows until they get to the league how how somebody's going to pan out. You know, so I like. Again, if we're if we're gonna actually count our two franchise quarterbacks, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna go with Trevor, and I'm gonna go with Kyle Trask, 100. I, I we'll, couldn't agree more. We'll be right back. Uh, we're gonna review our bowl games, obviously that we talked about last week with Liberty and Coastal, um, and Buffalo and Marshall as well. Um, and then we'll preview Georgia, Cincinnati, Florida, Oklahoma, and we will wrap the college football talk up with Heisman finalists. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Blake here. I want you to go check out Aries Fitness. Follow them on Instagram, A-R-E-S Fit Co. A-R-E-S Fit Co. Clothing brand ran by Travis Strickler. Uh, workout brand. You've got everything you need. T-shirts, sweatpants, shorts, everything you need. Workout brand. Go check them out. Again, A-R-E-S Fit Co. All right, Pat. So let's let's look back at a game that actually two games that we discussed in episode one um, for, right off the bat, we were looking at that Liberty and coastal Carolina game that we both knew was going to light, light up the scoreboard and, and, and both teams were going to have a really good night. Um, and obviously ends in overtime. Liberty finds a way to win the game 37 to 34. Um, McCall coastal Carolina's quarterback has three touchdowns. Um, looks pretty good all night obviously liberty pulls it off late with that game winning field goal um and then coastal obviously comes back and 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 misses their field goal in overtime i you know just watching that game um I, i feel bad for coastal i feel really good for liberty um coastal coastal had their chance obviously to go 12 and 0 have an undefeated season um be that power five that or excuse me, non-power five with an undefeated record have have their day in the sun where they probably call themselves a national champion. Um, but overall, in my opinion, looked like a really good game. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, watching the whole game, uh, you know, Liberty got off to a really hot start. Uh, scored 14 straight points uh, to start the first quarter. And Coastal kind of looked confused to start the game off. Um, and then, you know, kind of the, the uh, as Thanos would say, the cosmic scales tips back to balance and uh, you know, Coastal got on the board with a field goal, then a touchdown. And then you're like, okay, okay. Now Coastal's going to go, they're going to go. But then, you know, Liberty hangs around and, you know, they get a field goal and then Coastal scores again before the half to make it a 17, 13 game. And you're sitting there like, okay, so now we got a football game. Um, You know, it's pretty impressive that, Liberty's quarterback had more interceptions thrown than touchdown passes. He actually didn't throw a touchdown pass in the game. And he actually had a really big fumble late in the game to take them to OT. Um, 
to start the third quarter, you know, it was it was Liberty, you know, dude got another touchdown, and then Coastal answered right back, and you're you're looking at it like, okay, so what's gonna happen now? Because it's a five point game, and then going into the fourth quarter, I mean, dude, all hell breaks loose. There's 25 points scored in the fourth quarter, and you're sitting there watching the game. You're watching Liberty, and you're like, all right, they're up, they're up 12. There's no way they're gonna lose let alone go to OT. And then Coastal says, you know what? We're 12 and 0 or 11 and 0. We're going to, we're going to show you why they tie up the game. They get the two point, big two point conversion to tie up the game. And then, like I said, Liberty, Liberty drives down the field and they get down to the goal line and they fumble it. And once that happened, kind of changed the whole game. In my opinion, I thought the minute that helped, the minute that happened after Coastal had been trailing the whole game, I really thought Coastal was going to just come out and win the game in OT. Um, you know, and you, and you said it right, and you said it. I mean, Malik Willis obviously is he has he has two interceptions in the game, right? But for what he made up on the ground, I mean, he carries the ball 21 times, racks up 137 yards, and 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 finds his way in the end zone. Four touch, four rushing touchdowns. Um, obviously, really helped Liberty figure out a way to win that game. Because I mean, if he, I mean, if he doesn't put together that performance. Coastal wins the football game, you know. Um, like, and I again, I know we said it in, in in our first episode how Liberty and BYU were comparable teams, and what I mean by that, obviously not through the air, right? Obviously, you have right. your kind of air raid spread attack uh, with BYU, but talent wise, I mean, Liberty showed up, you know, and, and found and found a way uh, to beat a very good Coastal Carolina team that had an unbelievable season and and when you when you look at coastal carolina for their football program and and, re, and really all their programs around campus when you got it i mean coastal won a national championship in baseball a few years ago right everybody called them like the big glass slipper and and, and cinderella story yes yeah, so you can believe what you want i mean they were still an unbelievable team you know a ranked team uh that year but when a team like Coastal Carolina wins a national championship in baseball um, and then comes out here a few years later, has a chance to have an undefeated season, doesn't still, I mean, goes to overtime against Liberty, another good football team this year. That I think that has a chance to change the culture in Coastal Carolina. And I think they're going to be a team where you're going to see them play a weekend game against an ACC, SEC opponent on a regular basis um, or, or – not play them on a regular basis, but on a regular basis, stay in a game with, with somebody like maybe like a South Carolina, who if they played this year, I think they probably would have handled, honestly, the way, the way South Carolina had played football this year. Um, maybe give Clemson a game, you know, you look at, you look at other teams in their area, um, go, go down to Florida, like we talked about in the, in the other segment, go down to Florida State and challenge them, go to Florida, challenge them. Get, give these give these teams a schedule where a 12 and 0 now 11 and 1 Coastal Carolina team goes down plays an ACC SEC game and just stays in the game you know uh, but 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 good for Liberty I mean you challenge yourselves I, I wish I wish this game would have been played in the regular season like it should have um, but I'm glad we got a seat in a bowl game and it, and it produced a really good outcome. But so yeah, let's go on. 
Um, let's go on and talk about our other bowl matchup that we discussed, um, Buffalo and Marshall. Kind of a weird game. Obviously, Buffalo's going to stick with what they know. Um, and that's trusting their running backs, obviously. Uh, Buffalo's quarterback threw for 140 yards, didn't get in the end zone. Um, Marks Jr. finds his way in the end zone, 138 yards, 35 carries. So obviously ground and pound with Buffalo. Buffalo finds a way to win the game 17 to 10. And Marshall loses their last three games of the season. <sighs> tough, tough end of the season for Marshall. Obviously on cloud nine um, after their Appalachian State win um at home yeah come back against western kentucky and louisiana tech win get ranked for their first game against fau and then you just pile out of control you lose your last three games like we said last week get shut out against rice lose to uab and then lose in your bowl game not the way you want to go in the offseason by any means no, I, I completely agree. You know, uh, Marshall, they just fell apart that last, you know, three to four games of their season. It, it, it looked like they had just it, – it looked like a JV team, honestly. Um, you know, after watching the first quarter of that game, uh, it didn't look like Marshall had any idea how to run an offense. And I'm not taking it for granted because Buffalo, Buffalo's overall team has been pretty good, I would say, all year. Uh, they had the one hiccup, I believe, against Ball State where – I, I'm pretty sure their main running back went down. Um, but if you take a look at everything, I mean, Buffalo's been pretty dominant in the match, the fun match in baby. And, you know, there's a – going into that game, I think a lot of people were expecting Marshall to just kind of, like, snap out of it and just kind of blow them out. But I think, I think Buffalo definitely showed that, you know, they can compete with other teams outside of the MAC. And I think that – you know, it was a, it was a, if you like football, if you like watching ground pound football, that's not going anywhere. And, you know, every first down is like winning a thousand dollars. Then yeah. Um, yeah. It was fun to watch, but if you, if you sit there and watch the game and you know, it's, it's kind of, it was kind of boring, honestly, to kind of watch because nobody, nobody was, pulling out ahead there wasn't a major comeback I mean I think Buffalo went up by 10 but I mean if if, if you watch a game when Buffalo went up by 10 it kind of felt like they were up by like 40 because it, it literally looked like Marshall doesn't belong on the field so then you know Marshall gets that late second half score and kind of changes the game and then Buffalo kicks or Buffalo uh, scores a touchdown in the fourth quarter and they just win the game so I mean there was nothing I would say too interesting about the game it was just your basic bowl game I guess like there was nothing that, spectacular besides the fact that Buffalo's running back had 35 carries like my running backs on Madden get 40 carries a game and I run for 600 yards but like that's just because I'm good you know so taking the Browns or taking the Bears to the Super Bowl am I right I already won it dude Mitch is my MVP 65 touchdowns (laughs) of course he is of course he is all right well let's let's move on from the past and look into the future uh, December 30th, uh, games are being played at AT&T Stadium. You got in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl, OU and the Florida Gators. Uh, obviously, right off the bat, you're looking at Rattler from o- OU and, and Trask from Florida. Um, 
So you're going to have two prolific quarterbacks that one didn't start the way he really wanted to in Rattler, where now he's got his team, he's got his offense playing at the best they've played all year. Um, unfortunately, they had two losses, don't make their way into the playoff. But right now, if OU was that fourth team over Notre Dame, I think that would be the best four seed to find their way in. Um, obviously, that's not that, that didn't happen. It wasn't going to happen with a, a outrageous loss to Kansas State in week two. Bounce back, unfortunately, lose to Iowa State, even though they, they come back and beat them in the Big 12 championship, 27-21. I, I think this game has, has the chance for a lot of offense, um, kind of like how we talked about, and we were right, <laughs> kind of like how we talked about the Coastal game, who's going to have that ball last. Um, Florida lot loses their last two games. Obviously, the LSU game it shouldn't be an excuse. Um, then you lose the Bama in the SEC championship game, but nobody's going to beat Bama. Obviously, we probably think Clemson maybe has their, their best chance. So you got two teams. One team that is kind of dying off at the end is trying to prove something late going into next year. And then you got a team that's on fuego, already starting to prove something, but really trying to put a statement down and, and end their season with nine wins in Oklahoma and put themselves as the clear-cut clear-cut dog in the Big 12 for next year. So looking at that right there, who are you giving your quarterback advantage? No, back that up. Who are you giving your offensive advantage to in this game right away, OU or or Florida, Pat? Uh, Right off the top of my head, I'm going to stick with Florida. I'm going to ride the hot hand right now um, because the way I see it, if you go back to when Oklahoma played Oklahoma State, Oklahoma put up 21 points in the first quarter. And ever since that, after the first quarter of that moment, their offense just, to me, has not looked the same. Because you're talking about a team that was 48, 38, 62, 53, 62, 41. And then you'd go to these other two games, and they're, you know, they played a very bad Baylor team and won by – they won 27-14. And then you look at the Iowa State game. Iowa State's got a good defense, but Oklahoma traditionally has the best offense in the Big 12, traditionally. And for them to only be scoring 27 points, especially against a bad Baylor team, I I think Florida, Florida – I don't think either team has a defense, to be honest with you. So I think it has the potential to be a very high-scoring offensive output like the Coastal game was. But at the same time, I, I like Trask better than I like Rattler. I think Trask is going to, you know, if this truly is his last season, I think he wants to go out with a bowling. And, you know, whether that means he's got to throw a shoe at someone or that means they got to do what they got to do. You know, Florida, I think Florida is going to win this game pretty easily, honestly. Um, I, don't, I don't see Oklahoma putting up. To, I don't think Oklahoma can keep up with Florida, if that makes sense sense no it, it, and i get that i mean you, you look at averages right, right away um both teams are averaging 41 points a game so do i give ou the offensive advantage right now the way they're playing yes do i give them the advantage in the game 
No. You know, through and through, when you look at the SEC, when you look at the Big 12, okay, your top teams, obviously, right off the bat in the Big 12, you're looking at Iowa State, you're looking at OU, and then, okay, Oklahoma State and Texas, you know. Those teams, those four teams, then then you go over to the SEC and you look at Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Texas A&M, those teams wouldn't compete, you know. Right. So in the game, yeah, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm always going to go with SEC over, over Big 12. Um, but for the argument of which offense is clicking more right now, it, I mean, it's hard to say OU the way, the way Florida's offense was able to grind out a bunch of points against Alabama. But again, looking at Alabama, I think that's the one place that can hurt them in the playoff, not maybe not so much in the semifinal, but in the national championship. Bama's defense has been has been exposed. I mean, look look at look at the game against Ole Miss they had earlier in the year. You know, Bama's defense has been exposed where I think a team like Clemson, where their defense can show up any day of the week and put a game away for them. I think Dabo will be able to figure something out that's going to at least be able to control them. But going back to our game in the Cotton Bowl, I don't see myself taking an, a Big 12 team over an SEC team at all. So we'll wrap that game up, um, and we'll go into our other game uh, later on, and that would be on January 1st, so New Year's Day. We'll finally be out of 2020, thank God. We at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 Eastern, we got Georgia and Cincinnati. Um in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And again, two teams, in my opinion, Georgia, a team that kind of underperformed all year, didn't really put together a signature win. Um, but they did just get their quarterback. Yes, they did. And they started to they, – they looked a lot better to end the season. Do you think it's good enough to beat Cincinnati? This is where this is this is my this is my chance for Cincinnati to say, "Hey, because if you've watched a Cincinnati game this year, the, all the announcers, all they talk about is how old and how well respected the Cincinnati defense is." And apparently, Cincinnati has a really good defense. And if that's true, I think we'll be able to see that against Georgia. And I think I think this can be a huge stepping stone for non-Power 5 conference teams if Cincinnati can beat Georgia. If Georgia beats the living crap out of them, yeah, it, it, good luck getting a non-Power 5 team in because, honestly, out of all the undefeated teams that are left, Cincinnati's probably your best non-Power 5, I would say. They're, I think they're better than BYU, and I think they're better than Coastal, and I think they're better than Liberty. Those, were, those would be my four teams that I would look at possibly getting in, and – I think what I think what the uh, bowl committee did in choosing Cincinnati to play Georgia, uh, it kind of in my eyes the bowl committee kind of sees Georgia as like a uh, this year I would say a lower SEC team, a lower inconsistent SEC team, and they're going to have a chance. Georgia's going to have a chance to go in there with their quarterback and say, you know what, he was hurt the first six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it was. 
we're going to beat Cincinnati by 87 points. And I think Cincinnati has a chance to prove that, you know, non-Power 5 conference teams can play just as good as SEC teams. And I think if Cincinnati wins, I think it's going to open the playoff committee's eyes to possibly expanding the playoff and or letting a non-Power 5 team in. So with that being said, I, I, I think Georgia is going to win this game, but I think Cincinnati can put up a really good fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I, here's the way I'd look at it. You look at, you look at past performances by non-Power 5 teams in their bowl games. I mean, you look at UCF, you look at Western Michigan. Um, obviously, UCF was able to get it done in a few of their seasons. It's 50-50 really the way you look at it um i mean cincinnati's coming into the game only allowing averaging 16 points a game their offense on the other hand is averaging close to almost 40 um i think if georgia isn't able to move the ball and move the ball early and figure out a run game not so much a pass game figure out a run game where in most likely a low scoring game can't control the ball on the ground that's going to open up Cincinnati for a potential win. You know, Cincinnati's going to, they're not, they're not just going to lay down against an SEC team that I believe they, I mean, yes, they think that they can beat, but Cincinnati against a team like Tulsa, where they were forced to throw the ball and, and score quick was able to do it, you know? So both sides of the football, their defense isn't going to let anything up. Their offense is going to figure out a way to score. This is your best shot right now with everybody discussing, oh, let's expand the playoff. We got to push it. We got, we get, we got, we got to have six teams. We got to have eight teams. We got to have a sweet 16. This is your best shot right now to prove something to the committee that you deserve in years to come, your conference deserves to be in the playoff. And they have a very good shot. I think it would have been interesting to put Cincinnati up against a team more like Florida in, in, in a bowl game that I actually think they deserved um, to challenge them more and, and, and put somebody like an OU, a two-loss a two two Big 12 team up against a two-loss SEC team and put your non-power five undefeated team against a team that just took Bama to the brink in their SEC championship. That's the bowl matchup we wanted to see, you know, and they didn't give it to us. Is it another excuse for, for the committee to be like, oh, well, they beat Georgia. Georgia looked just okay all year, didn't really have a key win. Well, what if a team like Cincinnati beats a team like Florida, again, because of the way you rank an undefeated team unfairly, We'll never know, you know. So it goes back to the topic, yeah, well, they need to schedule these teams in the regular season, but these schedules are, are, are advanced many, many years in advance, you know. Kind of unfair the way Cincinnati gets treated, but I think they're going to make a statement against Georgia, and I hope they do. I, I hope they make the SEC and the college football playoff committee look dumb to, to a lesser extent. So with that, we are going to jump into our Heisman candidates, okay? Because we just talked about Kyle Trask. Looking at the finalists, 
Pat, who do you got? Or not so much who do you got, but who do you think deserves to win? Well, I this is hard for me because the 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 guy that everybody thinks is going to win right now is a wide receiver, and which hasn't happened in a very me, long time. Exactly, and for me, when I think of like Heisman, I'm thinking about you know a running back or a quarterback. And there's really two of them that really stick out to me. And that, you know, that'd probably be Trevor Lawrence and Najee Harris. And I, I think I said this on our first show, dude. I think Najee Harris has been the best player in college football this year. I think Trevor Lawrence has had a better football career. A career. But if I'm going off of this year, in my eyes, I think Najee Harris has had the best season. He's played every week. I mean, the dude had, what, five, six touchdowns in the SEC championship game? And, I mean, besides Trevor Lawrence, just being Trevor Lawrence and, you know, naturally just three touchdowns in the first quarter of a game. And then the thing that hurts Trevor Lawrence is Dabble sits his starters in the second half, in, in my eyes. I Like, yeah, it's impressive to have, you know, five passing touchdowns in the first half and, you know, but he could have had 10 in the game. And then in my eyes, when Trevor goes out with the COVID, um, you know, he, he can go down and he's, he's averaging freaking eight to 10 passing touchdowns a game, you know, it's okay. But I, I just think that as a whole on the season, and it's not Trevor's fault that he got COVID or maybe it is, maybe he's out partying. I don't know. Um, I, I think it's true. Trevor think... Morris does not do that in this draft. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't think so, but Hey, you never know. Um, I, I would say if you had to pick a Heisman for this year, I like Najee Harris a lot just because I think he's been most the most consistent player in college football. And I, I don't really see Mac Jones winning it or a uh, Kyle Trask. Um, I think it really – it's weird to me that a wide receiver is, like, expected to win it just because he's not – he like I said, like it's – what is a he catches the ball? Yeah, good job, dude. Like, but you know, Mac Jones is throwing it to you, so like you don't you don't get this recognition without Mac Jones. And Najee Harris, on the other hand, he runs the ball. So yeah, Mac Mac Jones hands it off, but that's it. And yeah, Najee you know, Harris catches a couple passes, but yeah, whatever. Dabo Sweeney said something really interesting the other day when he was trying to make his case for Trevor Lawrence, he said that the Heisman has turned into more of a stat award than what it should be. And that's the best football or best player in college football. And that explains why wide receiver is leading the race. Right. And so, I mean, you, you got, you look at like games that everybody's looking for like that Heisman moment. Right. I, I look at, I look at a game like when, when Trevor Lawrence played against Georgia Tech, right? He has 404 passing yards, throws for five touchdowns, 24 completions, and 32 attempts, and beats Georgia Tech by 73 to 7. You know, when, when if it's not a stat award, why is Devontae Smith not being the first pick? You know, why yeah. is Trevor the first pick? 
and I know I'm going to fight for Trevor a little bit more just because of the bias, the whole Clemson bias. But even as a as a college football fan, I don't look at anybody but Trevor Lawrence. Okay, yes, obviously, respect to Mac Jones and 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 Devontae Smith. But I mean, come on, Tre- Trevor Trevor Lawrence in my eyes looks like he has the chance to be one of the best quarterbacks. I mean, obviously in Clemson history. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I, I feel like he's trumped of what he, what he's trumped, what he, what uh, Deshaun Watson has done, you know? So he's obviously the best quarterback in program history. And, and there's probably not going to be, I mean, DJ looks really good. Do I think he's be better than Trevor? No. You know, with respect, with respect to Mac Jones, Harris and, and Smith from Bama, I mean, you're you're looking at a guy that just lost his his best wide receiver. Now his best wide receiver it, this year, in my opinion, is Amari Rogers, who after his torn ACL just looks unreal, and I think really helped out his chances of playing football on Sundays one day. But how do you look at a guy like Trevor Lawrence and say he is not the clear cut guy to win the Heisman? You know, they got to be better at separating stats. And who should win the who should win it, you know? And and I think in previous years, I don't think we've had an issue with like when 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 you award somebody like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was the best player in college football last year, without a doubt. You know, in Baker Mayfield's year, Baker Mayfield was the best player without a doubt. Going all the way back to Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel was the best player in college football. You know, you would turn you would turn on the TV every single Saturday and College Station would be rocking just because of Johnny Manziel. Not knowing mm-hmm. if Johnny Manziel, not knowing if Johnny Manziel was in Vegas the night before. Absolutely doing something you probably shouldn't have <laughs> comes out on Saturday in, in, in Texas and blows everybody away. Has his Heisman moment against time. Alabama. <laughs> exactly. Has his Heisman Heisman moment against Alabama scrambles away from from. 10 future number one draft pick Alabama lineman somehow throws a ball up in the end zone guy catches it. That's his Heisman moment. You know, I think everybody has one of those throughout their career or their special season that they, that they're even considered honored to be, maybe be a Heisman, but look at Trevor Lawrence, every single game, he controls the game. You know, yeah. he, team. I, I don't see any, if I'm a if I'm a college coach and I get to pick any quarterback in the entire country, any player, not just quarterback, any player in the entire country, you cannot tell me your pick is Trevor Lawrence. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, man. I I, I, just, I, I know what you're saying, but I I I just like the playoff football committee. I don't think the Heisman voters have any idea what they're doing. So, so then you agree You're with me on, about a, on Trevor Lawrence you, you, one game in his college career, right? Correct? So you, I, 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 yes, against an LSU team that was, un, in my eyes, almost unbeatable. A team that kind of looks like Alabama this year. But you would agree with me if if you were a college coach and you're starting up a brand new team, okay, X Y Z University, you get to pick any college football player in the entire country. Right now, this season, you get them next year. 
who are you, who are you going to take? I mean, obviously, I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence. Exactly. Just like the NFL Which, is taking yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Why exactly. is the high time not taking Trevor Lawrence? It, 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 it's like Dabo said it to a perfect tee. It's become a stat award, not the best player in college football. Like it's, it's what it's supposed to be. And it's frustrating. And, it, and I feel like it, it, it snubs somebody like Clemson's, Clemson's never had a Heisman winner. I think it snubs somebody like Deshaun Watson that didn't win a Heisman. How did Deshaun Watson go through three years of college football, not win a Heisman? How is Trevor Lawrence going to go through three years of college football, not win a Heisman? It is what it is. All righty. Well, when we come back, we're going to finish up with some college basketball. Um, talk about what teams look good early, what teams don't look so good early. Um, and Pat's going to take it from there. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, Blake here. Make sure you go check out our Instagram, the battery underscore podcast. Uh, Mike's taking good control of that. If you got any questions, make sure you DM them or comment on one of our posts, and we'll make sure your question gets taken on our show. Um We'll have future guests on there as well. Um, so make sure you go check out our social again. IG is the battery underscore podcast. All right, let's talk some college basketball. Um, obviously, we were introducing college basketball. We didn't get to talk about it last week on the show. Um, but the closer we inched an inch to March Madness, it gets me excited. Considering we didn't get to see March Madness last year um, with the whole COVID deal, um, I'm really excited in the way this season's looking, obviously right off the bat, you're looking at teams like Gonzaga and Baylor that look like the best teams on the planet. Um, again, I don't watch much NBA, but I think Gonzaga would give the Knicks a game, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Pat, what do you got? I mean, right off the bat, obviously Gonzaga and Baylor is Gonzaga is Gonzaga your clear cut number one right now, or, 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 or is Baylor challenging that? Yeah, man, for sure. Um, right now, after watching a couple games, um, I definitely think the football, um, I mean, the basketball selection definitely have it right so far with Gonzaga being number one and Baylor being number two. Um, you know, Zaga played Virginia the other day and beat them. They were up by like 33 at one point. And that you're, that you're talking about a Virginia team that was ranked as high as four to start the season. And, you know, they're just not – a Virginia team It's just not going to keep up with the Gonzaga team. Um, I really – I think we got – I think that – I'm pretty sure Gonzaga and Baylor were supposed to play each other this year, and they were canceled. Um, I think that would have been, honestly, the game of the year. That would have been awesome to watch because um, after watching both of them play, I mean, Zaga, they have dominated – I'm not kidding, man. They have dominated every team they've played. They've – they dominated Iowa, and the, Iowa probably has – not college player of the year in uh, Luca Garza. So, I don't know, man. It, and Zaga definitely very good, and I think they're very deserving of number one. I don't – if, you know, if it came down to it, I think Zaga could beat Baylor right now at this very moment. Um, but Baylor's a very fundamentally sound team. You know, Baylor every year – every year um, they're going to be a team that's – they're not going to go away easy. Uh, you're going to have to beat them, and I think Zaga has that potential this year to just dominate. Um, some other teams that I I think have looked really good this year uh, has been Creighton. Uh, you know, they had a bad loss, I believe, or not a bad loss, but, you know, a game they, they'll probably tell you that they should have won. Um, Wisconsin. Wisconsin has a game that I think they got robbed on against Marquette. 
Um, but, you know, that's a story for a different time. Uh, Wisconsin just went into Michigan State, beat them at Michigan State for the first time in, I think it was like 13 years. Um, so Wisconsin looks, honestly, in my opinion, in the Big Ten, Wisconsin and Northwestern look like the two best Big Ten basketball teams right now, as funny as that sounds. Yeah, and no, for sure. I then mean, you got I, Illinois. I, I look at Gonzaga. Yeah, I mean, I look at Gonzaga and Baylor, and right off the bat, Will. Um, and then the other really weird thing in college basketball, where are the ACC teams? Right. You know, the highest ranked ACC, highest ranked ACC team you got right now is 16th ranked Virginia. You know, I mean, then they back it up at 17 with UNC. Duke at 20, FSU at 21, and then it rounds out with Virginia Tech at 24. Obviously, you saw Clemson in there uh, for a short period of time. They've run into some COVID issues, um, which kind of bugged them. But what is wrong with the ACC? I mean, you you look at teams like North Carolina and Duke uh, and Virginia, who traditionally are very blue blue blood basketball programs, and they're nowhere to be found. But then you got somebody like a team that looks really good like Houston in the top 10, right? Villanova, Villanova looks, has, been, has looked really good. Um, in your opinion right now across the country, where is the best power five college basketball? Which conference has the best basketball through and through? Um, right now, if I had to pick the best power five, I'd probably say the Big Ten. Um, you know, they've had – Shoot, what was it? They've got, I think they had up to six, seven teams ranked in, and I'm not talking like ranked 17th or 25. I'm talking one through 15. Um, and I think every game in the Big Ten has been pretty good. I mean, your your Purdue's, your Iowa's, you know, they're the big thing in the Big Ten is it's hard to play another Big Ten team in their arena. Like we saw that the other night with Iowa playing at Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota's seven and one, uh, but you know I was the fourth ranked team in the country. Like you can't tell me that if Gonzaga were to go to Minnesota tomorrow, or you know you you give them the normal schedule and it says Minnesota's on our schedule, we play at Minnesota. I guarantee you, Zaga goes in there and wins by at least ten points. And that and to me, that's what separates the Iowas from the Gonzagas and the Baylors. Is Gonzaga and Baylor? They're gonna win the games that they're gonna beat an unranked opponent. They're just going to. And, you know, when they get the, when they play each other like they were supposed to earlier in the year, you know, it's going to be a good game. It could, could go into like 17 overtimes. Who knows? But I think it's going to be a good game. Um, but right now, I'd, I'd probably say the Big Ten probably has the best basketball from what I've seen um, after watching a couple games. You know, I really like that Illinois team. I think they've got a lot of, a lot of good players on their team. Uh, they were upset by Rutgers, but I still think Illinois is a team that's going to make some noise come tournament time. And like you said, you know, a couple of minutes ago, dude, I don't think your Blue Bloods are going to be as relevant. You know, we in Louisville here had a big game on Saturday. We had Louisville versus Kentucky, man. And it was crazy. You know, I was, I walked into, I think I walked into Buffalo Wild Wings and I, I, I never seen it, dude, just to see a red. And, you know, that game, that game came down to Kentucky missed a three-pointer at the end to tie the game. And, right. you know, Kentucky's they're one and six, one and seven now. I mean, they're terrible this year. 
Duke, they're not that good this year. I mean, they're still it's still Duke, but you know they're not that good this year. And then you got teams like Florida State, who was supposed to be a top, who put up a banner saying they were the number four. Have you seen that? They put up a banner in their stadium saying they were the number fourth ranked team in 2020 before the cancellation. Really? Yeah, it's, it's it's hilarious. And um, it, they were supposed to be, a, they, again, they were supposed to be a top 10 team, but then they lose to an unranked opponent. And to me, that's what separates your, and that's what happened to Duke, and that's what's been happening to Kentucky, is they're losing to unranked opponents, which right. that kills you. Because, you know, sure. Gonzaga and Baylor. Especially come tournament time when you're on the bubble. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, it's. Now, one team that I think you and me can agree on that's been very underrated and just been tearing the up college basketball, the Drake freaking Bulldogs, man. And I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Roman Penn, and I believe there's one more gentleman on that team that's from my region uh, where we all grew up. Uh, and, dude, I'm telling you, I've, I've never cared to, like, sit down and watch, like, a, a game like a Drake, but – it's been fun watching them, dude. Um, oh, the other guy, DJ, uh, DJ Wilkins. Yeah, he's from, he's from uh, like, the region. That's what we call it. Um, and, dude, they, they dominated again today. I think they're, what, 8, 9, 10, and 0 to start the season, man? Um, I, I'm very – and they had a big win to start the season. Wasn't it at uh, Kansas State start? They, yeah, they'd be, I mean, Kansas State's the bottom of the barrel in the Big 12, but, I mean, still – Again, when you talk about non-power fives going to power fives and beating them, which you obviously you see a little bit more in college basketball, big deal for that program. You know, I mean, Drake starts out ten and zero. Not a team you're look, you're looking at earlier in the year uh, at the Missouri Valley at the top of the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, obviously, traditionally, you're looking at somebody like a team like you and I that's now one in five to start the year. Uh, you know, or maybe like Illinois State, Bradley. Uh, and obviously you got Loyola that made that magical run that one year to the final four. But right now, Drake, Drake looks like a team that one, I don't understand why they're not, why they're not at least ranked. Obviously I know they haven't played your top of the end college basketball, but a team that's 10 and zero and has pretty much dominated their way through those 10 games, put that, you got to put them in the top 25 here sooner or later. Um, we wouldn't be shocked to see that this week on Monday. But yeah, I totally agree with you. And it, <clears throat> just looking at a team like Drake, if they find their way in the tournament as like a an eight or nine seed, um, if they continue that type of run, or if they start to fall off a little bit, and you see them as a as a as a Missouri Valley Conference champion, and you have to play them as like a twelve five matchup, you know, where traditionally those games turn into um, to hairy games for those those five seeds, which normally come out of somebody where somewhere like the ACC um big 12 or 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 big 10 and those teams find themselves down two points at halftime and well here we go you know right but yeah i i totally agree with you early looks at college basketball again gonzaga and baylor are teams that look like they can't be beat right now obviously things change people get hurt um Teams change throughout the season. We, we, you see it year in and year out. But outside of the top 25, yeah, I totally agree with you on Drake. I want to see them, how they perform against a team um, that's a little closer to their level. But for what they've shown so far, they look unreal. Really impressive. 
yeah, it's been really impressive. I, I mean, I, I just been, cause you hear about these teams, but then like, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. They beat Indiana state today, whatever. But then you're like, dang, they actually, they're actually playing a pretty good, like, like they're, they're holding their own man. And I, I like them as that mid, like every year there's a mid major that comes in and they run the table. Loyola the one year. And I, if, if the tournament started today, I, I would like, I would like to pick Drake to make, be that mid major team to make that like sweet 16 elite eight run. Even with them not playing a high profile team outside of Kansas state, if you want to call them a high profile team right now. Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, dude, if you look at their schedule, they have dominated everybody. Right. I mean, come conference play, it could change because, you know, they're in a good conference for a mid-major. Um, sure. But I, I, I really like the way they look right now, and uh, I hope they get some votes for top 25. For sure. I totally agree. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our, our second episode. I appreciate you guys coming in and, and listening to our podcast. Again, if you have any questions, uh, the best way to get those answered are through our Instagram at the battery underscore podcast. Uh, Mike is controlling that. So if you have any questions, make sure to DM him again or comment. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show and we will see you Friday.